I've been told I don't usually even move when I preach. Hi, I'm Michael Flake. I'm one of the pastors here. Great to be together as a church family here on week, what week is this in the cafeteria? 28? 3? 4? Folks have done great. We've, uh, we're serving the school. They are refinishing the gym floor. It's taken longer than expected. Uh, it's going to be beautiful, though. It's going to be beautiful. Tremendous. Uh, but we should be back in there next week. Uh, but people have done great. The, you know, the K's to 5's are usually in here, 5th grade, and they've been down the hall. for Everybody's been flexing to make it work. It's been really fun. Fun to see. Whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there's room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. As a resident of the Greater Lake Norman area, if there is one thing you are familiar with, it is a construction zone. I've actually thought we should declare orange cones the official flower of uh, Lake Norman. Right? They spring up everywhere. Now, if you're anything like me, when you go through a construction zone, the thing I say to myself is, I'll be really glad when this is finished. Yes? Hold on to that. We're going to need that. That's where that sermon is headed. But today we're starting two things. The first thing we're starting today is we're starting a series of sermons on the book of the Bible called Philippians. We're calling that series Rooted in Joy. You can probably guess one of the main themes of the book of Philippians now. The series is called Rooted in Joy. So throughout August and September, we're going to be teaching through this book of the Bible kind of bit by bit, chunk by chunk. There are soap journals available, uh, either somewhere being passed out, and there are some on the info table right out these uh, doors. A soap journal allows you, over the course of eight weeks, to study the book of the Bible on your own, the book of Philippians on your own. It's just little by little. You can spend as little as five minutes on it a day, or you could spend more time on it. If you want it, but it's trying to help you say not just what does the preacher, the pastor think about Philippians, but what is God trying to teach me uniquely through the book of Philippians? And for some of you, that may be old hat. You're used to studying a book of the Bible. For some of you, this may be a really new thing. So we put these soap journals together to make it a little less intimidating, but it helps you work through the book of Philippians as well. So grab a rooted in joy soap journal. The other thing we are starting today, you may be aware, uh, we are under contract to buy some acreage on South Main Street in Davidson for a more permanent spot for for Lake Forest Davidson. So today we are starting uh, something called Rooted. Now you might be able to guess what that's about too. Uh, Rooted is, uh, right now we're kind of in the pledge period, but it's going to become a three-year campaign to raise money to pay for that land. We're calling it rooted, as you could probably deduce, because this is going to help our church family be more rooted uh, long term. We love the ministry of our church family, and this is an opportunity to make it a staple, a mainstay in Davidson for generations to come. So while you're at the info table getting your Rooted Enjoy Soap Journal, you can also pick up the Rooted Brochure. You can learn more about the land, more about uh, the campaign, the three years of it, how you can make a pledge. There's actually a pledge card attached to this, and we're asking everyone to bring that back September 15th. September 15th. In other words, you don't have to pick this thing up and make a rash decision. 
Uh, I'm not, we're, we're not going to have a thermometer or anything like that. I'm not going to show up at your house, you know, and ask for your W-2s or any of this. Um, we're not going to do all that. But what we do ask you to do is take this, think about it, pray about it, listen to the series, study Philippians, ask God how he would have you participate in Rooted. We're asking everybody to engage with this and find a way to participate in it. Um, and so pick up both of these at the info table on, on your way out the door. Some of the question that sometimes comes up for, for Rooted is, uh, uh, or I guess that the perception would be that the primary goal of the thing is to raise money, and that's not actually true. The primary goal of Rooted, like Rooted in Joy, is to help you and me grow closer to Jesus. That's the primary goal. That's what churches are about, helping people grow closer to Jesus. And I think if we do that, we'll raise the money for, for, the, for the land. This is going to help us grow closer to Jesus because we're asking folks to give for Rooted over and above what you already give to the church, right? Because for three years, we still need to pay the staff. We still need to give to missions and church uh, planting. We're about to be part of helping launch a Spanish-speaking church in Huntersville. And so we want to keep giving generously to that kind of stuff. We still need to rent a building to worship in. So those kind of things will keep going. This is sort of over and above. And the thing that's always scary but good about over and above is it forces us closer to Jesus. And it forces us to, to depend upon his provision in our lives. So that's rooted and rooted in joy. It's where we're going in August and September this year. Good? Makes sense? Wonderful. Well, where should we start rooted in joy? I propose chapter 1, verse 1 of Philippians. It's on the back of your song sheet if you want to look at it there. It says, Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What we have today as the book of Philippians was originally a letter, and it was a letter written from Paul, one of the famous early Christians, and his understudy Timothy, and they wrote it to the church family in Philippi. Now, this is not Philippi, West Virginia. This is, there isn't such a town. This is Philippi in modern Greece. And they describe themselves as servants, or some translations will even say slaves. It's a similar word in the ancient language. But in other words, they don't belong to themselves. They see themselves as belonging to Jesus. They are servants or slaves of Jesus. That's who they view themselves as belonging to. And the central message of their letter is grace and peace to you. <clears throat> In other words, because of who God is, because of who Jesus is, we want your lives to be full of grace and peace. Wouldn't we, couldn't we say the same thing to one another today? Because of who God is, because of who Jesus is, we want your lives, my lives, our lives to be full of grace and and peace. Wherever we wind up worshiping on this or any Sunday morning, we want our lives to be full of grace and peace. So the introduction is over. Now it starts the letter in earnest. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
Paul was actually the pastor who started the church family in Philippi. And so when he writes to these people, you get like a deep sense. And as Reese read it, you heard it. It's like a deep sense of love for the people there. He still has this deep sense of love. Many of them have been there since day one. Some of them were newer, but he had a deep love for the people there. Now we're going to test our basic reading skills. In this passage, how would you describe Paul's attitude? How would you describe uh, how Paul feels or is acting in these verses? Has he just listened to like an angsty grunge album? I, I put in my notes an Alanis Morissette album, but I think that may miss some people. And then I was informed at 815 they don't even do albums anymore. So this whole illustration is falling apart on impact. Well, no, he doesn't sound upset. He, he, he says, I'm full of joy. He actually says, I'm, I'm praying with thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for all of you. He sounds glad. He says, I thank God every time I think about you. When I pray for you, I'm overtaken by joy, by joy, by joy, not by duty, by joy. What brings us joy? Typically, the good things in life. I pulled out this ancient piece of technology called a dictionary, and it lists the antonyms of joy as being misery, difficulty, and trial. Misery, difficulty, and trial. In other words, joy comes from the good things in life. So why is Paul so joyful? Has he just won the lottery and he's telling the Philippians all about it? Why is he so joyful? We'll skip down to the very end of our passage for today, and you're going to see something that changes the whole book of Philippians for me. It says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. You see where I am? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare to dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. These little verses turn the whole book of Philippians on its head. It turns the whole discussion of joy on its head because Paul did not just win the lottery. Paul's not even at the beach. Where is Paul? He's in prison. He says, I am in chains. He is in the clink, as my cellmates used to say. And then it says something about the... People are laughing at that. Y'all it's going to be a recurring joke through the whole series. Don't worry. And then he says something about the palace guard. The palace guard would be, be an, uh, uh, seem to suggest, and I think this is true, that Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He, he's sitting in prison in Rome awaiting trial for them to determine if, if it is illegal to be a Christian and if it's illegal, if it's a capital offense. So that's the predicament out of which Paul writes this letter about joy. He's under house arrest and he's praying prayers of thanksgiving. He's overwhelmed by joy even though he's wearing shackles. Philippians is not an ordinary letter and Paul is not an ordinary person. He's a person who is being transformed from the inside out by a man named Jesus, by the gospel of Jesus, by the good news of Jesus. Throughout this letter, you're going to hear that word over and over again, gospel or good news of Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is the central message of Jesus. 
that, that through His perfect life, through His sacrificial death, through His victorious resurrection, that the kingdom of God has come near, that, that you and I can be eternally reconciled to God. This is the good news or the gospel of Jesus. The gospel, the good news, means that you don't have to be who you were. It means that your life can go in a new direction. But it's not about trying harder. It's about giving up control. It's about surrendering our lives into the hands of Jesus. Not trying to earn God's love, not trying to deserve God's love, but trusting Jesus to extend to us God's love. We, we don't have to climb up to God. God has already climbed down to us and offered us eternal forgiveness and purpose and security in Jesus. The good news of Jesus is transformative. The power of Jesus is transformative. For Paul, we see the transformation in part because he's writing about joy while he's in prison. He's being transformed. In fact, his joy has made other Christians more courageous in their faith. He's not giving up because it's gotten hard. In fact, he's, he's finding more joy even though it's gotten hard. And that is emboldening other people in their faith. Because of the seat I sit in, I actually get to meet people. Uh, kind of that next ripple out of people who, who are actually emboldened in their faith by our church family. But they don't come here. There's this gentleman I run into on the Greenway all the time, and, and he will routinely say, hey, I just invited some more people to your church. Now, he does not invite people to his church. He invites people to our church. But, but I do meet people who, who are just, they're encouraged uh, that there's a new and vibrant church in the Davidson community. I ask a local historian, what was the last time a church became rooted in Davidson? And she said it's St. Albans Episcopal Church. And they did it in 1957. Now, they moved into a new building since that time, but their original move to root, becoming rooted was 1957. That's when Eisenhower was the president. Yeah, it's a good year, Benji. Let me know. It's a good year. That's when they launched Sputnik, Benji. That's 62... Years. In other words, it's an encouragement to people to see a, a, a vibrant new church family in, in Davidson. Paul's point in all this is not that you and I have to be thankful for our hardships. He's not saying we have to be thankful for our hardships, but that we can find joy in the midst of our hardships. In other words, he doesn't say I have joy because I'm in chains, but he says I have joy while I'm in Chains. I'm under house arrest in Rome, but I'm still seeing God at work. And seeing God at work brings me joy. My point here in all this is, is joy something that you and I are going to have after, this is all, after all this is over? Or is joy something that we can be rooted in now? Is joy somewhere out there? Or is there the potential for joy now? Is joy at the end of all this or is joy in the midst of all this? Is joy something I'll have when I receive some good news? Or can I have joy now because I have received the good news? So, so verse 6 says this. It's towards the middle of the passage. You'll have to look for a minute to find it towards the middle. 
It says, being confident of this. When I wrote this sermon, I imagined the screens in the gym we'd have. But now you just got to find stuff on a sheet. That's fine. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So this verse says that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are become a follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, God has started a good work in you. And there's even better news. God is going to finish the good work he started in you. And he's going to finish it on the day of Christ Jesus. That means the day that Jesus returns, visibly returns to earth to take God's people home. So God has started a good work in you as a follower of Jesus. And he's going to bring that to its completion when Jesus returns. So what does that make you right now? It makes you a work in progress. It means that you are a work in progress. I am a work in progress. Our church is a work in progress. Your community group is a church is a work in progress. The people sitting to your left and your right are a work in progress. In fact, some of us are more works in progress than others of us. On the count of three, we are going to point to the person closest to us who is the biggest work in progress. Ready? One. No, we're not going to do that. What is a different name for a work in progress? <laughs> oh, that's good. It's a, it's a construction zone. You didn't think I remembered. Or I finally lost it. And both could be real. It's a construction zone. And what's the problem with construction zones? We say to ourselves, I'll be really glad when this is finished. I'll be really glad when this is over. Lake Norman area is full of construction zones. I'm looking at them right now. You're looking at one right now. But if our perspective is, I'll be really glad when this is over, where are we going to find the joy? Where's the joy? Is joy something out there after the project is finished? When you are perfect? When your best friend is perfect, when your roommate is perfect, when, when, your, when your spouse is perfect, when your church is perfect, when your pastors are perfect, is that where we're going to find joy? Is joy somewhere out there? Is joy somewhere at the end of this construction zone? Or is joy available now? Is joy something we can be rooted in now, can we find joy in the midst of our lives that are construction zones here on this earth? Paul writes that his prayer for the church family in Philippi is that they will be, and this is verse 11, it's a little further down, they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. This is a phrase that's been jumping out at me. As you read through and study through your soap journal, I imagine God's going to make different phrases jump out to you. This phrase has been jumping out to me. How can we be rooted in joy now? At least part of the answer is the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now that sounds like religious mumbo jumbo. 
So let's try to unpack it a little bit. Righteousness means a right relationship with God. And that's the problem with self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is an attempt to have a right relationship with God through ourselves, through our own efforts. And that tends to make people really smug. But Paul is not advocating self-righteousness. Paul is advocating righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So say that in everyday language. A right relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ. A relationship with God that's not something you've earned or something you've deserved, but that is a gift. A relationship with God that is a gift that you receive. It's good news. It's in fact the good news. That through faith in Jesus, through trusting Jesus, placing your life in Jesus' hands, you are forever reconciled to God. You are forever God's child. You are forever part of God's family. You are rightly related to God eternally. And this Jesus-centered righteousness, this Jesus-centered right relationship with God changes us. It transforms us. From the inside out. The most important relationships in our lives always change us. How much more so the most important relationship in our lives with our Creator. So that's the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. But Paul is emphasizing the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. This is the difference between Christmas tree faith and apple tree faith. You knew I was going to say that. Christmas tree faith and apple tree faith. Self-righteousness is like a Christmas tree. You try to put shiny things, or I try to put shiny things on the branches to impress other people, maybe even to impress God, but really it's kind of a dead and dying tree. I'm just trying to keep alive till the end of the season. Now i got to be careful making fun of Christmas trees here. Good thing it's not December. I'd be in a lot of trouble. But there's no relation in a Christmas tree between the tree and the branches. You're just putting stuff on the, on the branches until the tree finally just dies. Or it's because your dog licks all the water out of the bowl it's sitting in. Now an apple tree is different. And righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ is like an apple tree where the tree is alive, the tree is well, and then what's hanging on the branches is deeply connected to what's going on deep inside the tree. Deep inside the tree, it is a healthy, alive apple tree. And if you give it enough time, voila, there's fruit on the branches that tells you that is a healthy, alive apple tree. So let's start to bring this to a close. As a follower of Jesus, or if you ever become a follower of Jesus, you are a work in progress. You're not all the way there yet. You are a construction zone. But you want to be, and I want to be, rooted in joy now. So Philippians is telling us, look for the ways that your relationship with God is demonstrating itself in your life. Keep an eye out for, in the Bible's words, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Keep an eye out for how your relationship with God through Jesus is changing you. How it's changing you deep down in your soul. And how that change is manifesting itself in your life. So, for example... Has your relationship with Jesus changed how you treat your family? Has, has it changed how you work? 
Or has it changed how you act on the job? Has your faith changed how you treat people? Has your faith changed your sexual ethics or your sexual behavior? Has Jesus changed how you care for people in poverty? Has Jesus changed how you engage in this or any church? Has Jesus changed your relationship with your time or with your money? And look, the truth is, you and I, if you're anything like me, you have a laundry list of things that have not changed and you wish they would change. But that's not what the sermon's about today. Because we've already admitted that we are works in progress. The good work has begun, but it won't be completed until the return of Jesus. The joy comes from seeing the work that's already been accomplished. The joy comes from seeing the work that's already been done. People have been asking me, are you nervous about this whole rooted thing? No, I'm actually like excited about this whole rooted thing. And not because I get to do the thermometer. Again, I said we're not doing the thermometer. I, I'm excited about it because of the ways that I've seen these sort of things help people grow closer to Jesus. One of the more generous uh, couples in our church came up to me earlier this year. And uh, as we were talking about this land, and they talked about how excited they were. And this, they said the reason they were excited is because the thing that really changed them, them and their finances, made them more Christ-centered in their finances, was when they were part of a church some years ago in a different town that was doing this same thing. And they said what it made them do is, is ask themselves the question, where does our money actually go? They'd never really spent a ton of time with that. Because, right, you only get to spend a dollar once. So where were their dollars going? They started to ask themselves, and was there a better, more Christ-centered way to relate to their money? So they started with that question, and they started to explore the Bible. They started to experience the transformative power of Jesus. And today they've moved from what I would call episodic giving to, to a real generous, sustained, significant, planned for, planned for giving to God's work in the world. Like to the tune of a double-digit percentage of their income, giving to God's work in the world. And that's not just to our church. They give to ministries and missions and charities. They've just become generous. They did not set out to become generous. They set out to follow Jesus. And then they realized that was in all areas of their life. And then they began to ask what that meant for their money, and they became generous. And then they found this little thing at the end. They became joyful. Do you generally find generous people or greedy people to be more joyful? They became joyful, but they didn't set out for the joy. They set out to follow Jesus. And what they discovered in that is that they could be rooted in joy now. So if we were in the gym, this would be the last point I would put up on the screen. Just imagine what it would look like. My summary of the first half of the first chapter of Philippians is this. I can be rooted in joy now because of my relationship with God through Jesus. Because of the people God has placed in my life. 
because of the work that Jesus is doing in me and the work that Jesus is doing through me. I can be rooted in joy now because of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the people God has placed in my life, the work Jesus is doing in me, and the work Jesus is doing through me. And Paul put that together in prison. I'll say it one more time. Rooted in joy now because of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the people God has placed in my life, the work Jesus is doing in me, the work Jesus is doing through me. As you think about those four things, how might you become more rooted in joy now? More rooted in joy now. It's going to be good. That's just like the first, that's the first episode right there. It's going to be fun walking through this book together, studying it on our own, and then coming together on Sundays to study it together. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God or to listen to God about whatever it is He's stirring up inside of you. Just take this quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you for the book of Philippians. We see it as your provision to us, and I pray that through it we would grow closer to you. Lord, we thank you for this land on South Main Street. We see it as your provision, and through this effort to buy it, we pray that we will grow closer to you. Lord, I thank you for all the construction zones here in our church family. And I pray that even as the orange cones are out for years on end, that we would not lose hope. We would not lose heart. That we would cling to the words that the, the one who started the good work in us is going to bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. But Lord, even as we are in the midst of these construction zones that are our lives, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, we would be people rooted in joy. Lord, for some of us today is the day where we need to step over the line of faith. We need to start this journey. We need you to come into our lives and begin the good work. We need the orange cones. We need your transforming work deep inside of us. And so I pray those of us in that situation would be willing to open our lives to you. 
and say, Jesus, come into my life and make me new. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God with our voices and our offering and our prayer requests.